Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is gospel singer, songwriter, preacher's wife, mother, and really nice person, Krista Melton. Krista, we met back in January of 2005 in Burlington, Colorado. Can you believe it's been that long? Wow, yeah, that's been a while back. But that yeah. was a wonderful time. I remember that. Yeah, we were just six months into our traveling ministry, and we were offering to do interim ministries for churches until we got our revival schedule full. And that is the only one we ever did because our revival schedules got so full. Really? And we were there for six weeks, and you all came for a weekend, and that was the first time. I'm, I'm sure that was. And uh, Beth has had the opportunity to sit and visit with you, and she just loves it when we're with you because she just loves to visit with you and, and is always so excited about about the time. And la yesterday she had the opportunity to sit with you for a time. I never get to. We're always on the professional basis. What song are we singing? What's the invitation hymn and everything? So I'm looking forward today to getting to know you better. So Krista, tell us your story. Okay, well, it's wonderful to get to speak with you, Tom, and I always enjoy being with you and Beth, and um, we're excited when we find out we're going to be doing a revival with Rock Solid well, thank Ministries. You. But I guess I'll just start back at the beginning. I was actually born in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I'm the oldest of my family. And so we lived there in Omaha probably until I was about seven or eight. And then my family moved to um, western Iowa. My parents had both grown up in the country and wanted us kids to grow up in the country too. And yeah. so that summer between second and third grade, we moved just outside of a little town called Pisgah, Iowa. I've heard of Pisgah. And um, we really enjoyed that. We had uh, the hills actually and trees and forests in our backyards. We spent a lot of time <laughs> as kids. If we could get away from the work on the work on the farm, we'd run up in the hills and just play. And so, do you have regular place. chores every day? Yes, we did. Yeah. A lot of regular chores, and we had a big garden and a lot to mow, and we just had push mowers. So we spent a lot of time <laughs> working out there, but it was a good place to grow up. Well, you know, Beth has said a lot of times a lot of the problems in school would be solved if kids were back on the farm and they had to get up early in the morning and do their chores. They'd be settled down by the time they got to school. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So you said we we did we we had all these chores and everything, and you spent a lot of time in the hills. Sound like you had uh, a number of siblings. I did actually, and when we, I have um, eleven siblings. Eleven. Yes, eleven, uh, and I'm one. the oldest. So there you go. Oh wow, that you are the oldest time. of eleven. Yes. So uh, well, I'm not going to ask how old the youngest is. That would <laughs> that would age you. So I'm not even going to start. I'm not going to go there. I know better. <laughs> So, brothers and sisters, how many brothers and sisters? Okay. Well, like I said, I'm, I have 11 siblings. Let's see. I have... I have, to, <laughs> I have to think everybody through so I get this right. They're listening, so don't mess up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. One, two, three. They have four sisters, so that being six, six brothers. Six. And it's actually interesting because people always ask, um, there were five of us. And my family started doing foster care, and so we've adopted seven more siblings. But, you know, we're all family, just like right. the Lord's family. We're all the same. We're right. all the same in our family. And it's kind of interesting, I think, how my family got into doing foster care. 
Um, when my parents got married, they were always open to that because my dad's family had done foster care, but they felt like the timing wasn't right. And so we moved out to the country and one Christmas we were going to the Open Door Mission in Omaha, Nebraska to take Christmas gifts. That is kids are picked out for the kids there at the mission. Right. And so we went to take them in. And when we went in, my brother saw all the um, men who were homeless. And so he asked my mom what they're doing. And she said, well, they don't have a home. This is their home. And he was just insistent that we need to take those men home to our house. Oh. <laughs> and so my mom tried to explain to him, we can't do that. This is their home. But it did get her and dad thinking about maybe this was the time to consider doing foster care. Because I think by that time, I was like 11, my brother was 9, my next sister down was, um, would have been probably 7. Right. And so we started taking foster kids. And that was a neat thing. And so from that point on, we always had a lot, several little kids along with us that our family was taken care of. And some of them, you know, went back home. Maybe it was a wake-up call and mom and dad are doing better and that's great, you know, kids right. can be with their families, and other kids went on to pre-adoptive homes, which was also good for them. And um, then we, there were some that, um, like my brother and sister, they had been with our family so long that by right. the time they came up for adoption, really, they already were a part right. of our family. So your parents adopted them? And so my parents adopted them, oh. yes. And then, through the years, several years later, um, there was a child with um, real profound special needs. And they said, we can't find anywhere to put him. We know you're a good home. Will you take him? Well, my mom, when we were growing up, was always kind of squeamish. Like, if you got a cut, she'd want Dad to look at it or him to take out the <laughs> um, splinter. But she had always thought that, had told the Lord, they told them, if you give us an opportunity, we're going to walk through the door unless you close it. And so they said, sure, we can do this. And, you know, that started a new part of their ministry. We hmm. took um, Bobby and just fell in love with him. And while he didn't end up being part of our family, Lord had another family for him. Right. Down the road, uh, after that, we started doing, doing uh, my parents started taking kids with special needs as well. Oh. And, you know, I found out that kids with different needs like that are such a blessing. We yeah. learned so much from them. And um, they change people's lives. I hear that all the time from people who either have special needs children or they take them in. And so many people think, I don't know if I could do that. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I was always one of those too. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I realize, well, yeah, maybe I I could have. But uh, with our moving around so much, foster care wasn't something, you know, because you change states right. as a preacher, yeah. you know, and, and we weren't always traveling. Mm -hmm. But but like a lot of preachers, uh, we, we up and moved quite often, oh, yeah. you know, so... Uh, but I think that's wonderful, and maybe that'll, maybe this will encourage somebody who's listening who's been thinking about it to do that very thing. Yeah, well, I'd want to encourage you if you're thinking about it that, you know, it's a blessing to be able to bring another kid into your home. You never know the difference you yeah. can make, the Lord can make in their life. Right. Even if it's just for a short time, you're planting those seeds. And, um, you know, like you said, with our ministry, foster care is not a possibility for us right now. Right. But um, I do believe... You know, just always be open to what God has right. for you. And you were asking about the age and siblings. And Katie always laughs because, you know, she's uh, my third daughter. But my youngest brother is a couple months younger than her. 
And she just thinks it's so funny that I have a brother who's 17. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Really? And still living at home, yes. My brother uh, David oh. is 17. And, wow. But in the next couple of years, he'll be transitioning to where he'll be as an adult. Right. But it's just wonderful to always get to be around them. So it sounds like you're that you were just raised in a strong Christian family. I was. I forgot to mention that. My parents always loved the Lord and taught us to and made church and serving him a priority. And you know, they really feel like your whole life is a ministry. And when you're serving people, you're serving the Lord. Right. And I know when I was eight years old, I I mean, I'd always loved the Lord, had learned to love him. And I remember giving my life to him at eight and getting yeah. baptized into Christ. And um, I'm so thankful for parents and a church that just really encouraged us to love the Lord and to grow in Him. So you were you're living out in the country. So the church you went to was it a country church or did you go into town for? No, it was um, it was a it was about 15 minutes away in a small town. Yeah. So it was more of a country church, but right. a lot of people there work in the city like my dad did, just because unless you were a farmer, there aren't too many jobs. Right. Out in the country. So it was how far was it from Omaha? Um, about an hour. So he drove an hour to work every day, oh. an hour home. Oh my goodness! So but he but that. he just really wanted you to grow up in the country. He did. He and mom really wanted us to grow up in the country. And so they were willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah. So it was good. Wow. So gave your life to the Lord at eight years old. That's right. And all of a sudden everything was perfect for the rest of your life, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Dave always says if the minute you walked in the baptistry, your troubles ended, the line to the baptistry would be, you know, miles long, wouldn't it? Yeah. But I'm thankful that Lord goes with you. Every step of the way. Right. And like you said, there's been a lot of challenges and unforeseen things in life. I'm thankful he's right. gone with us. Now, I will tell you, when I, I, one of my, some of my earliest memories were singing. Because people always ask me, well, do your family sing? Since I sing, I sing with my family. And they don't sing like we do. But I remember when I was just little, getting a chance to sing. One good thing, my little country church, they'd let me sing. And as I got older, other places asked me to come and sing. And so my dad would take me and let me sing at those places. I started singing at Gospel Sings and other churches and things for other um, other events, for ladies, just all kinds of things, you know, the county yeah. fair, anywhere. Really? And as he sang, my dad would pick up the stuff and he'd go and I'd get to sing. And yeah. I remember, actually, I met my husband at a Gospel Sing. Yeah? When I was um, 19, just out of, call, out of high school. Now, I think her family had come to sing at our church before, but I was just a kid, and just I knew the Meltons, but I didn't know right. Dave necessarily. And so I sang there and was hanging out with my friend by my little display of my CDs, and Dave came out and, hang out, and hung out with us all day. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he'd said when I interviewed him, which uh, listeners, that's podcast number 152, if you want to go back and listen right. to Dave Melton. Uh, he said he normally didn't hang out by the booth. He normally was all over the place, but but there was somebody at this booth he wanted to hang out with. <laughs> That's funny. He likes to tell people I looked lonely up there by myself. Yeah, I bet. And I'm not lonely anymore. <laughs> so, uh, uh, did you start dating right away? Um, actually, it was several months. It was a couple months before I started dating. He's a little older than I am, so he said he was kind of scared to call my dad. <laughs> oh, okay. But um, they were going to be in the area at another church, and so my dad and I and some friends went and saw them, and he thought, hey, maybe I could. And so he called my dad and asked him if he could date me. 
Yeah. And my dad said, well, sure, if she wants to date you. <laughs> oh, wow. So how long did you date? Um, we dated for, let's see, probably would have been a little bit over a year. And then that, that summer, actually, I went and uh, traveled with him for about a month with him and his mom and dad. Yeah. It's just because it's different all living in a bus yeah. together. Right. And um, that went well. And actually, we got engaged while we were traveling wow. by the ocean one night. So you got a taste of it. So it was the idea that, that when you married Dave, you were going to travel with uh, with George and Nidra? Yeah, that was the idea. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of probably why I traveled with him for about a month or so. Right. So mm -hmm. how was that for you growing up in a big family, living on a farm, and now all of a sudden you're in, uh, were they in the big diesel at the time? In the big Yeah, we were in the bus. Yeah. And, and uh, Dave, when I talked with him, talked about all the different things he's done in life. Mm -hmm which finally helped me to understand why whenever we were with him and his parents and, and you, it seemed like he was under the bus working on something. Oh, yeah. So uh, how was that all of a sudden to leave this big family and now you're with four of you in a bus, not on a farm, but with wheels underneath you and traveling from town to town? How was that transition? It was different, but I'll tell you, Dave's parents are very gracious people. Yes. And very kind people, and so that helped so much. And also, I just always, it had been my dream to sing for the yeah. Lord. I remember telling my mom and I said, well, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to go give free gospel concerts to the homeless people. Oh. <laughs> and I just loved to sing, and I felt very thankful to be able to do that. And like I said, they were very gracious. And um, especially there at first, a lot of times we'd stay in people's homes. Yeah. And we were in revivals, and so you got to meet new people and spread out a little bit that way. Right. And so the transition went all right, and then not, it wasn't quite two years before we had our first son, and then that changed everything. Then you're busy taking right. care of a baby, and that's kind of where your focus shifts. And so we actually had three kids while we traveled with um, Dave's parents. And so by the mm -hmm. end of that time, three, three little ones and us and his mom and dad, it was a tight fit sometimes there in the bus. But once again, like I said, they were gracious. They didn't complain about babies crying at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'd been used to it, too. They traveled with yeah. their kids. So. And his mom was good enough to help sometimes with the kids, but um, also to let me be mom, which I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nidra is just a gracious person. She is. She and is and George, uh, I can't say enough about George yeah. and how much... Uh, uh, I love George and what an inspiration and encouragement he was to me when I started traveling. Um, uh, our listeners, we're sitting here getting a little misty-eyed right now. <laughs> but uh, well, that was uh, the the traveling and the singing. So you had to learn you had to learn some songs pretty quick, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I had to learn songs pretty pretty quickly. But thankfully, I love to sing, and that has never been a hard thing. I can learn songs. Yeah. Usually fairly quickly and just enjoyed getting to sing with them and enjoy all that time. It was a wonderful time of life and my kids got to um, know their grandparents well. And then I remember though, I was surprised the day that Dave came to me and said, Krista, I've prayed a lot about it and I, I want to preach more. He said, I've seen ministry where we come in and we leave. And he said, I'd like to stay some ministry through. He said, I'd like to go somewhere where we can plant our feet and I can really minister for a while and build some relationships with people that way. And so we prayed about it and he told his parents and once again they were gracious about that. And it's amazing how the Lord works because at that time his brother Kenny was kind of in a time of transition. 
Right. It seemed to work just perfect that he could come <clears throat> back in and get back into traveling and ministering and right. singing. And we could go. And we ended up going to Ravenwood, Missouri, where Dave preached. And we uh, North Northwest there. Missouri, almost almost to Iowa. Yes, right. I love it there. Yeah. Just yep. almost like home. Yeah. There are... Uh, we had a revival there once mm-hmm. uh, years ago before you went there. Okay. And, and uh, uh, got to know more of the Boswells. Uh, right. Ken Boswell we had known in Colorado. Right. And I think that's how we made the connection okay. end up going there. But uh, very gracious people. Oh, very, yes. very fine people. And, and uh, we loved our time there. Our time, five days, right. four days. But yeah. it was good for us. So, And you were there how many years? Well, we, um, Dave ministered there almost five years, and then we lived in the area another year when we started singing yeah. again. And like I said, it was a great time. We have a lot of wonderful memories yeah. from Ravenwood. Still love the people there and do a lot with them. Um, we had left not to leave, but to go back into singing. We still love the church there. And one of the things I appreciated about that church is when I went, you know, I was still in my 20s, had these three little kids. And not only did they include us in the church, but they didn't, um, they allowed me to do what I could do in the church. But they didn't bring me in and say, oh, you're the preacher's wife. You're in charge of everything. Yes. (laughs) And I was so thankful for that because it gave me a chance to grow and to be able to be a part of the congregation without all that extra pressure. You know, they had a lady who did a wonderful job leading the ladies Bible study. I was thankful to be able to be a part of it, right. but not to have to be in charge of it. Right. You know, when the ladies in charge of different ministries or the people still did those, and I loved helping out with them, but I was so thankful that they didn't bring me in and say, hey, here, you do all this. That would be a nice thing for most ministers' wives. If yes. the churches let them be themselves um, and, and who they are. Um, I, I had a really wonderful interview with Christy Frankie. Right. And one thing she talked about was just being herself. Right. And I, I wish I had the podcast number. I'll just have to tell our listeners, go back and, okay. and look it up and listen to Christie's. But uh, if you know Christy, you know she is just herself right. <laughs> and, and in a wonderful way. And, and I wish congregations would understand that not every preacher's wife is comfortable leading a Bible study. They, they don't feel gifted, and they may not even feel they have an ability to do that. Right. But they may have an ability to help in some area of the mm-hmm. church. That, But they need to be treated like every other lady in the church. Right. They're, they're there, and if they can do something and can volunteer, then that's wonderful. And if they don't feel comfortable with it, don't push them into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, with time, sometimes people get to where they can do things that maybe they're not ready to do. That's right. At that time. You know, uh, listeners that know that know Beth and I will f- might find it odd to realize that that Beth was a very shy, quiet right. person. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember when we were uh, leaving our second ministry and we were being interviewed for, to go to Colorado. They called uh, the churches where we'd been, and uh, it's our third ministry. And one of the things that that was impressed on them is that you will never know that Beth is there. Really? She will help. She mm-hmm. will, she will be in the background. She'll support Tom. She'll do whatever needs to be done, but she's very quiet. And you won't know that. And people who know Beth now and visit with her and she speaks to ladies right. groups, though that's not what she wants to do. Yeah. She, she does it. If God says mm-hmm. you need to go do this, right. uh, she has grown through the years and new church work 
is what really changed yeah. her. She had to step up because it was just us and a few other people. And she had to step up and do right. everything. Mm-hmm. And she did. And, and God taught her those things. And now she, uh, if we were to go back into local ministry, mm-hmm. she would do a lot of things yeah. that she never would have done when mm-hmm. she was 21 years old right. as a preacher's wife. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, I look and I do a lot of things now that I wasn't ready to do. Right. There in my 20s. And I'm thankful that God had that time to grow me. Well, uh, tell us about your kids. Uh, t- give us uh, some names okay. and ages and All right. what, what they're up to. Okay. Well, Trevin, our oldest, is 21. And he's living in Seymour, Indiana. And he is a senior in college now. He is at a Western Governors. It's online through Indiana U. And then he's also working nights at Walmart. And so he's doing real, real well, and we're proud of him for that. I'm still faithful in the Lord and just enjoying his life and what God has for him. And then we have Kyle. He's 19. He's going to Summit Theological Seminary. And then he's also still continuing to sing with us full time. And so we appreciate him doing that. How's he able to do that? Well, what they're doing is they're letting him be a hybrid student. When um, we're home during the week, he drives up to Summit. And um, he has a place where he lives there during the week with another young man. And so he'll go take classes in person. And then when... um, we're gone, he can take him through Zoom. In fact, right now, he's in the next room over taking his one of his classes on Zoom this morning. In fact, last night, I asked you that because last night, yeah. uh, he he came in here and sang, went to the back room to, to, to do classes online, and came back out when it's time to do another special and went back. And uh, we didn't mind that at all because we're so proud of Kyle that he's getting a Bible education at a good school at Summit. And and uh, I'm I'm just I'm just so happy for him that this is what he's doing and and that he wants to do and wants to continue to travel with mom and dad and 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 sing and he's got a great voice and adds so much to to your team. Well, we're thankful for him and for his heart for ministry. He really yes. has a heart for the Lord and a heart for people, and that's you can sure see that matters the most. Yeah. And then we have Katie, and she's 17, and she's a junior, and she's. Doing well. She loves to sing and she likes to sew and do all those kind of things. And yeah. so we'll see what the Lord has for her. She's still yeah. praying about that and thinking about what she's going to do. And I think this week even she was teaching a couple of little girls some sewing. Yes, she was. She? Yeah, they were sitting right by by her before church and she was teaching them how to sew yeah. with her uh, fabric. She has a, she has, I, I've noticed her with children over the years that she works really well with children and, yeah. and, and takes time with them and, and makes them feel important. And I like that, yeah. And then we have um, the twins, Macy and Gracie, and they are 12. And Macy loves to bake and she and cooks. She's always cooking something. And Gracie loves to read, and they're just a lot of fun. Yeah. And so. they were born when you were in, in located ministry. Yes, they were born in located ministry. And, um, <coughs> when I was going to have the twins, they actually were going to count. They... Um, I ended up in the hospital for six weeks before they were born. Ended up spending, uh, it's right after Thanksgiving, so Christmas and the New Year and all that in the hospital, waiting for them. Oh. And so. <clears throat> well, you're number two and number three. Mm-hmm. When they were very small, we were in a revival together. Right. I think it was in Macon, uh, Ohio. Does that sound right? I'm not sure. Uh, places and you know how it is they yeah. they all blend together but it was a it was a beautiful building but for some reason the church had really gone down there was about 25 right. people it's one of those 
revivals that, that George, I, one of the things I learned about George is from time to time, uh, he took the family and did revivals that the church could not really afford to pay you what you needed to have to be there. But he did those several times a year because he felt that that was a call of the Lord mm -hmm. and he needed to do that. Right. And that was one of those churches. And this was before we were doing PowerPoint uh, right. on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And Beth runs my PowerPoint. And uh, she took the, uh, those, those two little ones and had them in the nursery that yeah. week. And she loves children. She's been a children's ministry director in churches and just loved that time. And you know, I record a little bit of those kids playing and right I on. cannot find it. I, it was on a computer and I don't know if it got erased when I changed computers. But I thought one day I'm going to give that to yeah. mom and dad, oh, and yeah. I, and I, I'm, I shouldn't even tell you about it, but it was really cute, and I don't, ha I can't find it. I'm going to keep looking. I may have that somewhere. So now you're traveling in an in an RV, right? And you were traveling with all of the children, yeah. and now you've got uh, all but one. That's right. And how does that work out in tight quarters? Well, you know, we're we're used to it. Right. And so it works out pretty well for us. I think our kids are pretty close. And so mm -hmm. I'm thankful for that. And that there's not too much. Everybody just kind of knows when it's their turn. We've been doing this since they were what? The twins were, I think, were two or three when we started and traveling again. And right. Kyle and Katie were probably eight or nine. So everybody takes their turn getting ready in the morning. And, right. And everybody has their spot. And so that really helps. There's mm -hmm. enough bunks in there that Kyle has his bunk, Katie has her bunk. The twins are up above the driver. Yeah. Would well, do you in the position you're at? I, I have to wonder if you don't get asked from time to time to speak to ladies groups. I do speak to ladies groups. Do you? Yes, I do. Okay. I love doing that. Okay. And, um, like I said, sometimes you, you have to grow. I think. Right. And um, I don't know if you knew I had cancer while we were there in Ravenwood after I the didn't twins know were born. I remember praying for and, you. Um, the Lord grew me a lot. I believe. Through really? that situation, because I finally had came to a point in my life where I had to realize, you know, I was driving home in the car, and I thought about all those kids in the back seat, and I thought, Lord, you know, this can't be happening to me. This isn't my life. I got these five little kids. Right. And, you know, he gave me the words to a song that simply said, we speak your name in times of joy and in times of pain. We speak your name in sunshine and rain. Right. We speak your name. And I realized, you know, it had been real easy for me in my life which is probably a relatively easy life, to praise the Lord and be thankful. But now is when I had to decide if I really trusted Him. And right. if I really believed all those things I had said and all those things I had told other people, right. did I, could I really depend on God and His Word, no matter how the situation turned out. Right. And I realized, you know, that I was going to love the Lord and speak His name, and I could trust Him no matter what. Right. And if I got to raise my kids, that'd be great. But if I didn't get to, he still loved them even more than I did. And he was going to take care of them. And he had the best plan for their life and my life. And, you know, the, the next thing to do was just to take that next step. And if I could teach my kids nothing else in my life, I wanted to show them that God is faithful and we could trust him. And, you know, he took us through that situation. Yeah. And um, I'm thankful that we can trust in him in situations. Because so many of us, we all deal with things that are bigger than any of us could ever right. face without him. And right. if we can just simply trust in the fact that he's going to be there for us, 
He works through life, through our lives. Right. And I don't know. I just want women. I want everyone to know that we can trust in the Lord. And we can have joy even in hard times because he's going to be there with us. Was there a sense of peace that day driving in the car when that came there to you? There was. You know, before that, there's anguish. It's like his peace just comes. It's a peace you can't even describe, can you? It's just yeah. there with it because it's like all of a sudden the burden's not on you. The burden's right. on him. Right. And all you have to do is just take that next step and leave it with him. And it's not always easy. Right. But I'll tell you what, he's faithful. <clears throat> He's faithful through his people. He's faithful through his word. He's faithful just through the mm. fact of who he is and the peace that he that he gives. We trust we're to trust him in all things. And you know, it's it's easy to talk it. It's easy right. to go into a Bible study mm-hmm. and 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 just say, Well, yeah, we're gonna trust him. You know, that's yeah. what we're gonna do. But then cancer comes. Yeah. And the death of a child, uh, the death of a spouse. Right. And that's when we really have to trust him. Uh, one of my favorite devotional books right. that I've used through the years is Streams in the Desert. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. There's a, it, it was written in the early 19, or 20th century, so some of the language is a little bit archaic for us now. Right. But they, there's an updated version if you, if you get an online copy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I have the older version in my library at home, but last year, it's 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 a good book when you're going through struggles. Right. And since we're talking about that, I want to recommend it to our listeners. I think you can get it online for for six seven dollars right. in a Bible bookstore. It might cost you twenty. Right. Um, but it's called Streams in the Desert, and uh, last year we weren't going through any struggles right. particularly. But I told Beth, I said I want to do Streams in the Desert again. Mm-hmm. And we're also doing uh, today's Bible on Telegram that Brother Greg, our partner, does. Right. So we're doing two devotionals okay. a day. But uh, I can't help but but recommend this to anybody that's going through struggle. And it could be physical. It could be cancer. Right. Or it could be um, it, it could be that you're in a particularly difficult ministry right. and you feel that you have no support, or maybe you have a lot of people that you didn't expect in the church that seemed to be against you in ministry. Right. Uh, get this book. It helped me through, through struggles like that. And, and uh, I was thinking today, and in fact, it may have been this morning's devotion. And I, I laughed. It was this morning's devotion. I was laughing because we're going, we're talking Elijah this week right. in our revival series. And it was Elijah. <laughs> and, and it was the fact that, he was sent, God seemed to the Kareth Ravine, right. and there he would have water and the ravens fed him. But then the scripture says, after a while, it, it dried up because there's no rain in the land. Right. Well, all of a sudden, he had to trust God again. Yeah. And God sent him to Zarephath. But had he not gone to Zarephath, he would not have met the widow. Right. He would not have seen mm-hmm. God and the miracle of the flour and the oil. And he would not have seen the resurrection of her son. So everything we go through prepares us for what is ahead. And so often, Beth and I have said, uh, we are the people we are today. We are able to minister Mm -hmm. the way we minister today because of the struggles we've been through in our life. And the very difficult ministries that we've had, and some of them were extremely difficult. I wouldn't want to go through them again, but I'm thankful I did go through them. Because I am who I am because of it. Amen. And 
And I think that's what you're saying too, is that that dealing with cancer grew you up in so many ways spiritually. It did, and I want to note too that in the middle of that, right as I'm taking my radi radiation was when Dave's dad found out he was sick and died. And so the only reason I say that is, you know, in one situation we look and say, well, God was faithful, you're better. God is still faithful even when we didn't get the answer we wanted with Dave's dad. Right. You know, he's faithful either way. And like you said, those things are things that are hard to walk through. Right. But hopefully, if we allow them to, the Lord can grow us and grow yeah. our faith in Him. Well, let me, let's talk for a minute. We've talked about family. We've talked right. about traveling and singing. But you are also a songwriter. Yes. And, and I'd like you to talk about that a little bit. And, and, and when did you start writing songs? And, and uh, just how did that come about? Well, I think I always... Wrote a little bit. Like when I was a kid, when I was a child, little, I was always rewriting words to songs and just having fun with that. Right. And I tried my hand at writing a few songs when I was 16 or 17, but I'm not going to show those to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my first sermon. I wouldn't let anybody, I don't want anybody to hear it. <laughs> yeah, those, those are walked in the archive just for my own amusement. <laughs> but um, really, I remember, I think, I wrote a song a while back called Thank You for Loving the Lord. And it was about my parents, and just all those in our lives. We can be so thankful if you, one thing I've learned in life is if you had parents or people in your life that taught you about the Lord when you were young, you were very blessed. Yes. There's a lot of people in life who don't have that. Right. And so I wrote a song about that and uh, I wanted to sing it. And so my husband said, well, I know a gentleman named J.D. Miller and he can make us a track. J.D.'s so, a great guy. Yes, he is. So we were down at the um, Kaimichi Mountain Mission for the, um, Men, for the, what is that called? The Kamishi Mount, the clinic. The men's clinic, right. The men's clinic. And so he introduced me to JD, and he made us a track for that song. And when I found out, and when I wrote music, there was someone that we could make tracks and we could sing it. That's like opened a brand new door for me. Because oh. I've always loved to write. I just would write, like if Dave wrote a sermon or something got on my mind, I'd write a little song. But after that, I started writing more, and I found out I really loved to write music, and I just love to be able to share that way. JD has opened the door for a lot of people, and yeah. uh, we we've just well, I've I, I've had the the privilege of doing a revival with him one time, and it was a six night six church revival, oh, wow. and we packed up every night and got ready to move to the next church building right. in Missouri. And it was one of the funnest experiences of my life. Yeah. Uh, not just the packing up and moving, and, uh, but it was working with J.D. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, we, had, we just had a blast, really. And then the, the churches every night were packed, full uh, in right. the foyers and, and mm -hmm. back in the fellowship hall. People were just everywhere. And it was a great experience. Uh, but but just getting to know JD because I'd done revivals with his father down in right. Florida, and before he retired mm -hmm. and moved to Kentucky and then started preaching again, right. <laughs> <laughs> and doing it. and, and uh, it was just a, a a blast to to have that time with him. But I so appreciate that he uses his studio to help uh, young songwriters and singers and musicians. And, and, of course, others he works with right. that, that much more experienced. And one of these days I'm going to sit down with J.D. and, and, yeah. and talk with him. Yeah. But so how, you probably don't know offhand, but how many songs have you written? And, and, 
Oh, I don't know. I've written, I've written a lot of songs. A lot of songs. Yeah. And I, I, knowing you, I know you don't like to talk about yourself and, and, and what you do, but um, you, you've written some songs that have gotten some pretty good attention, uh, I, I think, and uh, certainly uh, um, among other singers and, and churches, uh, and they have blessed a lot of lives. Uh, uh, I, every time Dave says, this is a song that Chris has written, and you get ready to sing it, I think, oh, I, I can't wait. And I, I'm just being very honest. I'm not trying to, not, not trying to schmooze here with, with a song, but, but it's just the truth. Uh, I am always so blessed. In fact, I requested one this week that I, I want you to sing. Every time we're together, I want you to sing it. And uh, could, you, could you tell our listeners about that particular song, about the baptistry and, and one well, of your girls. Yeah, I can do that. Um, I believe the song you're talking about is Washed Away. Is that yes. Right? Well, um, several years ago, um, when Gracie was five, so I guess that would have been about seven years ago, we were at um, Glen Estee um, Christian Church. It's near Cincinnati. And the guys were tearing down at the, after the concert. And um, Gracie was over by the baptistry. And it was one of those that you could almost fall in. And she was just looking down in it. Just looking at it, kind of wondered if she was going to jump in or what she was thinking. And she came over and she got me and she pulled me over to the baptistry. And when we got there, she looked down at it and then she looked at me and said, Mommy, where are all the sins? Uh. And so I kind of laughed and was talking to her about it. And she thought that you should see the sins in the water because she had heard your sins are washed away. Right. So I did the best I could to explain, well, honey, God does wash your sins away, but they're not something we can see there in the water. That's right. You can't see them, but they are gone forever. And so we talked about that. And so Dave started telling that story from time to time because that was a real interesting story. And one day we were going out of church and an older gentleman, I can't remember his name, he looked at me and he shook my hand. He said, you know that story your husband told? He said, there's a song in that about those sins <laughs> being washed away. And so, you know, I sat down and thought about it. I realized, you know, there is a song in that. And so I just tried to tell the story about her talking about seeing the sins and about how it's just such an amazing promise that God washes our sins away. Acts twenty two sixteen, Saul was told, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, call on the name of the Lord. Yeah. And so we just talk about how it's all about God, Christ, and the salvation we have in him. And because of that, our sins can be remembered no more. Wow. That is a beautiful, beautiful song. And uh, we were talking about... Uh, a resurrection testimony that we all have on uh, Monday night, I think it was. Yes, it was. And I said, that would be a perfect song for that, for that sermon, that everyone has a testimony. And that's why I think sitting down and doing these interviews is so important because people come from all different backgrounds. Like you said, you grew up in a wonderful Christian family. And I've sat down with people who didn't have that, uh, who uh, actually had very, very tough backgrounds. And God took maybe a, a school teacher riding a bicycle that ran into a young man right. and now he's preaching. And and you just never know how God can take a life and turn it around. And there are so many stories in these interviews that that move me and and uh, and and yours does too because you had that upbringing. You had parents that were so solid. Right. And wanted you to to know who Jesus was and what it was to serve, because there you are right. taking taking things to the to the mission in the city. 
Well, I'll tell you the one thing I did learn through doing foster care is although I had wonderful Christian parents, I learned that that was something not to be taken for granted. Right. Because there are so many kids who through no fault of their own go through so many hard things in life. Right. And we still, and they still need the love of Christ just like, like we all do. But uh, one of the reasons I love to write music is because I know through the hardest times of my life, music has meant so much to me. And if we can just share God's love or give someone a little hope Right. Through a song, hopefully that's a way to be a witness as well. Well, can you share a few other songs that just came to you because of life experiences? Some songs came to me because of life experiences? Yeah. I just put you on the spot, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Um, I wrote a song, Keep on Walking, and that was all about when growing up... uh, like I said, we did a lot of chores around the house. So if mom would let us go, we were like, yes. <laughs> and so we'd go out and um, they have what they call level B roads, which are just dirt roads they don't maintain. At the end of one of them was an Indian burial ground. And so we'd want to walk out there. And what's funny is looking back, there really was nothing there except the sign that said Indian burial ground. <laughs> so I don't know why we wanted to go there. But we'd walk out there and walking back, I remember it was pretty hilly, you know, and you'd get tired. But we just keep remember, just keep on walking. Keep on walking. Right. You're going to get there. And so I wrote a song that's about, just called Keep on Walking. About how through life, so often when we're going through times and we're tired, if we can mm. just remember, if we get home, there's supper, it's going to be all right. Keep walking. And through life and through ministry and through all the ups and downs, if we can remember, just keep on walking. We have a Heavenly Father waiting for us. Right. We have a home in heaven. And we just want to encourage people, you know. Music should bring joy to our lives. It should. And as Christians, we can have joy. In the good times, I believe even when life is hard, we can find joy through the Lord. Well, music touches the heart. Yeah. It does. And, you know, I I think in the Christian church, Mm -hmm. Churches of Christ, we're good about preaching and talking to the head. Right. You know, the, the biblical knowledge. But the scripture says, with the heart, men believeth unto righteousness. Right. And so we need to touch the heartstring. Amen. And music does that. And, and uh, I think that's, that's something I learned from my grandfather, that no matter what we preach, uh, if we have to preach about hell one Sunday or whatever, right. we still need to give a piece of heaven because everybody needs a piece of heaven to hang on to. And, and it's with the heart men believeth. So at some point when we preach or when we sing, mm-hmm. we need to touch the heart. And because that's where it's at, with the heart men believeth unto righteousness. Unto righteousness. If someone wanted to listen to some of your songs, right. uh, I know you've you've got some online. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would they do that? Well, um, we have a, a few albums that are even on like Spotify and Amazon Music and all your different streaming platforms. Okay, and how? Uh, what would they type in? They would type in the Dave Melton Family Singers. Okay. And then we also um, have a website, the Dave Melton Family Singers dot com. Okay. And you can find us on Facebook, and on there we have some videos and some links to some music there as well. You've had some, you've done some really good videos um, that I've enjoyed. When I see them, when you post them, I, I if, as soon as I get time, I, I will watch it and always enjoy them. And I'd encourage our listeners to take time, and uh, if you use Spotify or Amazon or whatever you might use to check those out. And, and, uh, uh, if they want to book your family 
to, to do a concert or a revival. Dave uh, preaches revivals. Yeah, and now Kyle started preaching. He, he, told he actually... Um, Go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, so they were doing a round robin down in um, Oklahoma, and so they called Kyle and said, you're at Bible college. We want you to preach this time. And he said, that's kind of floored yeah. because he's just starting. And so he um, got to preach four nights in a row at a different church every night, the yeah. same sermon. And so he's starting to preach, too, and doing a good job. We're really right. proud that he's taking that step, and we appreciate churches having the uh, trust to let a young guy yes. get up there and share God's word. Well, that's how that's how that we have to do it. Dave and I were talking about that when we yeah. sit down together. That that uh, he and I were just kind of picked up and thrown into the water and told to swim. Yeah. And and uh, maybe that's how it happened with Kyle too. They, yeah. Round robin wants you to do it, mm-hmm. but if we don't if we don't give these young men time to preach, they're not going to preach. Yeah. And so often now our our churches don't have evening service. Right. And they and pardon me for saying it, church, but. They they want to put on their best performance for Sunday morning, right. and it's not a performance, and it's a time of training and worship and growth, and take one of those young men and let him preach, and if he preaches a seven minute sermon, preacher don't get up after him and 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 and, and expound on what he said. Let him give a seven minute sermon and let him give the invitation, mm-hmm. and and uh, maybe you might be surprised who might respond. And you say, well, that's that's too short. What I'd say to you is your congregation be real happy. They get lunch early, yeah. you know, let them do it. But we're going to have to let them have yeah. some of this time, inexperienced preachers and singers. Yeah. We're going to have to let those who are not polished, if you only have one service, you're going to have to let those little ones get up and sing and, and give them an opportunity or we're not going to have anybody to sing or preach in the future. Recently, we were in a revival in Danville, um, Church of Christ in Martinsburg, West Virginia. And the yeah. thing I noticed about that church I like so much is, and I mean, I think everyone should have poss- have opportunities to serve, but they had the young boys and teenagers praying. They had the young kids helping with everything in the service when they could. Yes. And that, and I think that makes them feel a part of the church, a body, which right. they are. One of the things I'm yeah. always, I'm so impressed with, with, Dutch Fork Christian Church in Claysville, right. Pennsylvania, uh, the, purportedly the, the oldest continuing rural Christian church in America, started oh, wow. by Alexander and Thomas Campbell. But you go there, and the young people are actively involved. Mm-hmm. And if for some reason their their teen class, it's just a really small country church. Well, right. not really small, but small country church. But if they have a great teen program, and if the if that is not going on for some reason, they, they get thrown into the adult class on a Sunday morning, and that happens sometimes when we're there. Those young people, they will read the scripture, they will speak up and give their opinion, and everybody listens to what they have to say. Okay. And uh, I've, I've noticed that if something needs to be done, uh, this last this year we were there, and I forget what it was, something in the church needed to be done. And one of the teenagers looked around and saw it wasn't getting done and jumped up and did what you would normally see an adult male do. That's great. And it's because they've been trained from a small age. Yeah. You are the church. Amen. This is the church. Do it. And uh, you had a chance to sing in that small country church yeah. growing up. And now here you are singing uh, and and just sharing the gospel all the time and, and, and blessing people left and right. <laughs> and... Uh, as you're traveling, you see a lot of you've seen a lot of changes in the church. 
and you see a lot of challenges. Right. What do you What do you think uh, from a preacher's wife, a traveling Christian singer? What do you see as the greatest challenges coming ahead for the church now? I really threw that one right out at you, oh, didn't I? Yeah. yeah, in your mind, or maybe the greatest challenge to to Christian women uh, or preachers' wives or whatever. What do you see as a, as a challenge that we're going that we're facing now, or going to have to face, uh, and, and and be stronger at in in the coming days? Well, I'm not sure exactly how to do it, but we've got to find a way. First of all, we got to be authentic because we need to reach the younger. We need to train our kids, get our kids involved, make sure make them see that church is not just place we go on Sunday morning. Right. The church is our family. Right. The church are people that we depend on. A church is something you want to be a part of as they yeah. re- as they reach into adulthood. And maybe I'm just thinking about that because my kids are right at that cusp. At, sure. At 19 and 17 and 21 and 12, you start thinking, do we do enough to teach them and to show them that the church isn't just something you go to on Sunday. It's not a place you go to. It's something you're a part of. Right. And I think just as a church in general, we need to People are looking for a place to belong right. in this world right now, especially younger people. Everything's social media, everything's so disconnected. Right. If we can start helping people, especially our kids, but even those in our community, church is something to belong to. Church is somewhere you can go, you can be a part of. You're loved, you're accepted here. And then also help them learn to serve Jesus, of course, right. and to love him. But I think we've got to find a way for people to feel like they belong and feel like they want to come and be a part of God's church and a part of what's happening there. Well, one thing that I've learned from one of my interviews, um, and I've shared this a few times, so listeners just put up with me, but uh, that people are not, young people in their 20s, mid-30s, they're not as concerned about the program of the oh, church. They're yeah. not, the, the music, certainly we want to, we want anything we do in the church, preaching or singing, we want to do our very best to the glory of God. Right. We don't want to just come in and throw something together. Right. We want to do our very best. But if our very best is not very professional, people don't care. Young people don't care about that. Oh, I agree. They just want authentic. Right. And worship. When they walk in, don't worry, oh, our singing is not very good. They're not going to like this. They're going to leave. What you need to do is say, would you like to sit with me? Yeah. Would you like to come to our house to eat? Mm-hmm. We're going to go out to eat. Go with us. Yeah. And that's what they want, and they'll come back for that. And mm-hmm. uh, they don't, in fact, from what I've learned talking now more to, to people in this age group is they think uh, fog machines and all the lights and music and, 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 and the big bands is a waste, of mu- yeah. a waste of the Lord's resources. They don't mind it. If you've got it and you can do it, that, that's okay, but yeah. that's not what they're about. They're about... Uh, sitting down and talking to somebody and being authentic, exactly what you have said. So, And I guess one other thing I'd say is I think the other challenge facing churches is encouraging our ministers and ministers' wives. And Thank you. So that they will feel like they can stay in ministry. And, I mean, no one's perfect. Right. But we need to encourage them because they're trying to be the hands and feet of the Lord, and we need people in that position. Right. I think churches somewhere down the line got the idea that uh, 
that uh, it's just easy to find another minister. Yeah. And I think sometimes they'll, they'll say, well, I don't like his preaching. He may be an excellent pastoral minister. Right. If you're in the hospital and a surgery, when you wake up, he may be at the foot of your bed every time. Yeah. But I don't care for his preaching. Well, you find a fellow who's just a fantastic preacher, mm-hmm. but you got to really, you got to really work at him getting to the hospital and mm-hmm. calling on other and doing that type yeah. of thing. Well, you're not going to find a man who can do it all. Very rarely. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you you just find those. I don't know where they come <laughs> from. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. Uh, yeah. But understand that everybody has different talents and gifts, yeah. and if you've got a good one, hang on to him because, uh, you know, uh, Dave was telling me about a church, I think he said for two years, they've been looking now for a minister at two years. We find a lot of churches as we travel that are asking Dave, they just need a minister. And yeah, we get the same thing. It's hard sometimes to find people to recommend to them. Yeah. That's a hard thing. It it, it is hard to find someone that, that we trust that is biblically sound and that is a worker, but when you do find one, usually, you know, they're not ready to go somewhere. Yeah. And and so you've got a good minister. Hang on to it. That's, yeah. that's very good. I appreciate you putting that in there. Anything else you'd like to share? I can't think of anything. Thank you for the opportunity to sit down and, and speak with you today. Well, it is, it's been wonderful. I knew it would be. <laughs> and uh, I I hope this has been an encouragement to our listeners, if you're a young songwriter, Christian songwriter or singer, I hope you that that this has been an encouragement to you. Uh, uh, and if you're just uh, trying to keep on walking, yeah. I, I I know this has been an encouragement, and I hope that you will share this podcast with your friends and coworkers in Christ and family. Uh, if you're on one of the platforms that allows you to like and 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 share, uh, share that way. Put it on your social media, whatever you can do, and let's let's encourage people because that's what we need in the world today is encouragement to keep on walking for the Lord. Now, until next time, uh, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain. <laughs>